Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Last night, what we saw was Pete Carroll did what Pete Carroll does. So did Russell Wilson. They are dominant in primetime games. 21-5-1 are the Seattle Seahawks under Pete Carroll in primetime football games. 13-2 in their last 15 and Russell Wilson is now 7-2 and two on Monday Night Football. Meanwhile, Kirk Cousins now 0-7 on Monday Night Football. I understand Minnesota Viking fans are all panicked. They're all in an uproar. They're saying, my God, our season is over. Uh, calm down. You're going to likely be the sixth seed in the NFC. That means you'll go on the road probably against the Chicago Bears. You'll have a chance to win that game. Meanwhile, for the Seattle Seahawks, I think you pretty much have slotted yourself in at five if you look at the way their season is going to finish. And as a result, I think you're going to get the Dallas Cowboys against the uh, Seattle Seahawks in Dallas. And I think you're going to get Chicago Bears against the Minnesota Vikings in uh, Minnesota. Sorry, in in Chicago. And ultimately, if you flipped that game, right, if the Vikings were the three seed and they were playing against the Bears, I don't think Viking fans would have been panicked. I don't feel good about the Vikings winning because they just haven't been that good on the offensive side of the ball this year. But it's certainly a game they can win, particularly given how Mitchell Trubisky is playing right now. He threw three interceptions against the Rams. He doesn't look like he's really that healthy It wouldn't shock me at all if the Vikings went into Chicago and won a low-scoring, ugly playoff game because as bad as Kirk Cousins has been in primetime games, 
I actually like Kirk Cousins more in the playoffs than I do Mitchell Trubisky right now. Now, all the criticism is going to rain down on Kirk Cousins all week long. We will see how he does in what should be a pretty big game in Minnesota with the Miami Dolphins coming to town. Dolphins coming off their big win over the uh, New England Patriots. We'll see how that game happens and progresses as we uh, as we break it down with the Miami Dolphins going on the road against the Vikings. I think the Vikings are going to win that game, and then I think we'll be sitting at the Vikings at 7-6-1, and one, and we'll be saying, okay, the final game of the season against the Bears likely to be rematched in the playoffs. The Bears aren't going to show up and play at a very high level. And so I think before all is said and done, ultimately the play is going to be that the Vikings are going to be in the playoffs and we'll see whether or not they can get it done against the Bears. I think the Seahawks will be the five seed and I think they will be going up against the Dallas Cowboys. That's my takeaway from Monday Night Football. For those of you starting off your day on the West Coast uh, as you wake up, or maybe you're waking up in other time zones as well. Thanks for starting off your morning with us here on OutKick. All right, every single Tuesday, I give you my top five and my bottom five in the NFL. Let me run through this. Now that we have finished the 13th game of the NFL season, every team has three games left. And uh, I believe the bottom five in the NFL right now, the Bills are the 28th team in the NFL, uh, 28th best. Then we got the Jags, the poor Jacksonville Jaguars, one and eight in their last nine. They got run all over, teams falling apart. Now there's talk that Tom Coughlin might come out of retirement and coach them because he's so thoroughly disgusted with what's happening there with Doug Marone and what that team looks like. Bills 28, Jags in the 29 spot, Cardinals in the 30 spot, the Raiders in 31, and the poor, sad Bay Area sports fan, the 49ers are in 32. Even with their wins, the 49ers over the Broncos and the Raiders over the Steelers, I still have those two teams as the two worst in the NFL. I went ahead and ranked the top eight because inevitably uh, when I don't, when I leave a team out, everybody's like, well, where are they? Well, I think there are eight teams that have distinguished themselves so far. This is the top 25% of the NFL thus far. Saints are the best team in the NFL. They're 11-2 and in the wake of the Rams' defeat on the road against the Bears. The Saints have taken back over home field. If they can beat the Panthers twice and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Saints will be 14-2, and and the road to the Super Bowl will have to go through New Orleans to some degree or other. The Chiefs also get the win. They're 11-2 and in overtime. They take down the Baltimore Ravens. I have got the Chiefs in the second spot. In the third spot, how about the Rams? Even though the Rams lost to the Bears, I still have the Rams at 11-2 and in my third spot. I think your top three teams... No matter who you're a fan of in the NFL, the three most impressive teams, I think, are the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Rams. Fourth most impressive team, and I think most of you would have to agree with this, we'll see what happens on Thursday night, a great final Thursday night football game for Fox to close out Thursday night football in the NFL. The Chargers are going on the road against the Chiefs in Kansas City. So I think the Chargers have to be in the four spot. Your top four, Saints, Chiefs, Rams, and Chargers in the five spot, Chicago Bears. Uh, big win now sitting at nine and four. I think the Bears are in uh, your five spot. Six spot, I've got the Patriots. I- I'm still stunned. 
by you heard Mike's Mark Shalareth if you were listening in the last hour try to figure out why are the Patriots one in five in their last six in Miami and he said it might be as simply as this is a cold weather team that always seems to play against a warm weather team every year and so he says the Bears uh, sorry that the Patriots they just don't want to play in warm weather it's not a good fit for them they don't like it it's hot you feel like you can't breathe Maybe that's the truth. The Patriots in the sixth spot, in the seventh spot, the Houston Texans, uh, nine and four, tough loss against uh, the uh, Indianapolis Colts. But the question is for the Texans, they go on the road against the Jets, then they come back home. uh, No, then they go on the road against the Eagles, then they come back home for the final game of the year against the Jags. Are the Texans going to put away the AFC South division? Or are they going to stumble down the stretch? They had won nine games in a row. Now they've got a loss. Are they going to let that loss continue? Or will they go on the road and take care of business against the Jets? We will see. Texans sitting at nine and four. And then you love them. You hate them. You can't get enough of them. I got the Dallas Cowboys sliding in at the number eight spot overall in the outkick top five which has since been expanded to the top eight the Saints the Chiefs the Rams the Chargers the Bears the Patriots the Texans the Cowboys I gotta be honest with you that's the top eight teams in the NFL I don't see how anybody could argue with any of those teams bottom five maybe you can argue a little bit but it doesn't really matter what's happened is the bottom five NFL teams have all started to elevate a little bit they're not as awful as they have been uh the Bills Look, they're not awful. They're favored against the uh, against the Denver, the Detroit Lions this weekend. The Jags, look, they're four and nine. They're not an awful football team. They're decent defensively. When Leonard Fournette is healthy, they can run the football. Yes, Cody Kessler is not the answer, but the Jags can win some games. I mean, they, hell, they beat the Patriots earlier this season. The Cardinals, uh, they're not very good, but they did go on the road and win in Green Bay. And then the Raiders and the 49ers, as bad as they have been so far this season, they just got back-to-back wins. So that's not a brutal situation either. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis, weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This is a confidence show, especially when we're joined by Charles Davis, who is fresh off of calling the game between Uh, Green Bay and Atlanta and he has got a massive game uh, coming up on Sunday between the Dallas Cowboys and the Indianapolis Colts and also he's a proud University of Tennessee alum and the mighty volunteers knocked off Gonzaga to get uh, a win over the number one team in college basketball and have now ascended to number three overall Charles did you ever think you'd see the day when Tennessee was a basketball school a men's basketball school. Over yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point too. How about that? Because that's not something we've seen in a while. I mean, before long before we got there, Clay, as you well know, Ray Mears put Tennessee on the basketball map and and, and made us somebody. And we were probably what a broken thumb away from the Final Four with Bernard King and, and Ernie Grunfeld. So that that was that was a uh, that was a good time frame. Don DeVoe had some good years in there with Dale Ellis kicking butt and. But no, <laughs> to be in this spot, Bruce Pearl had us right there. Remember when we beat Kansas at home? Be the, I think they were number one in the country, so Bruce Pearl had us going, and he and Pat Summit had a fantastic 
working relationship, something you don't often see between men's and women's coaches of big-time programs. A lot of times there's friction. Jim Calhoun and Gino Oriema, <laughs> prime example number one at UConn, but they had a great relationship, Pat and, Pat and Bruce did. And uh, it's really nice to see what Rick Barnes has done with our men's program. It's phenomenal. Um, Aaron Rodgers uh, obviously looked very good against the uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. Do you think it was the right decision to fire Mike McCarthy? And what kind of vibe did you pick up on in covering that team in the wake of Mike McCarthy's departure? You know, Clay, in our in our youth the right decision always seemed to be to err on the side of giving your long-term coach who's had a lot of success one more opportunity to get it right. Because, you know, Green Bay's been trending in the wrong direction. I think we showed a graphic in our game that since Atlanta and Green Bay met in the 2016 NFC playoffs, you know, and it was the uh, NFC championship game, I think Atlanta was 500 since that time, and Green Bay was like 11-16-1. So, the idea that they were, you know, playing good ball and something just went a little ahead. No, they were trending in the wrong. They weren't playing very well. They were pretty much a 500 team and, and below, depending on when you started counting the record. So that's my long-winded way of saying in today's NFL, heck, today's college football, you don't get the same amount of time if things start to go, go wrong. And if they were going to fire Mike McCarthy at the end of the season, as it certainly appeared they were tracking towards doing, I have no problem with them doing it at the time they did it. I, I, you know, whether I thought it was the absolute right thing or not, no. But here's the bottom line. They did. It felt like the team wasn't playing well and responding the way that the ownership wanted anymore. So I, st- I always remember Jeremy Foley said it when he was AD at Florida. He, it wasn't an original thought. What must be done eventually probably should be done immediately. And I know my colleagues have said, well, that takes his dignity. You know, he, he deserved to go to the end of the year. I'm in the opposite camp, Clay. I feel like if you're going to do it and you're going to let a guy twist, that takes away his dignity more than doing it immediately and letting him get out of the line of fire and not having to deal with the guys like you and me every day going, so how's the job going? Are you going to be here next year? What's it look like? He didn't have to do that the rest of the season. Gives him a jump start on his next job. And, and off they go. And I'm not saying that just because Green Bay won. I just didn't think that letting him twist there was the right thing either. Last night we had the Vikings uh, go up to Seattle and lose on the road 21-7. Kirk Cousins, not that great. Uh, it's kind of an ugly game in general uh, where really for the Vikings you needed to make one play in the first 55 minutes of that game and everything could have been different. Instead, the first touchdown is finally scored with about you know, three minutes to play in the game, and that was when it was ultimately decided uh, that the that Seahawks were going to pull away and, and not have any challenge there. If you were a Vikings fan, would you be sitting back right now saying, man, we made the wrong decision with Kirk Cousins? Or, and I laid out this in the, in the get-go, do you kind of look at it glass half full, say we're likely to go 2-1 and one to finish out the season, I think, if you look at their schedule. You'll be the number six overall seed. That probably puts you on the road against the Chicago Bears in week one, a divisional round opponent. And I don't know about you, but I feel like this year's playoffs in particular are wide open. Anybody who gets in can go to the Super Bowl. And do you take a step back and say, hey, we made the playoffs. We'll see what happens when we actually get there. How panicked would you be this morning waking up if you're a Vikings fan? Well, I wouldn't be panicked. 
I would be concerned because I'm just not sure what I'm getting. You're you're watching a Vikings team with all their different struggles trying to score offensively. I know there's plenty made of it last night, and, and understandably so. And obviously the focus was Kirk Cousins. The focus became John Filippo, the new offensive coordinator, um, You know, meaning new for this year for, for Minnesota. I don't know that there was enough focus on this is an offensive line that struggled all year. Clay, I mean, you and I have talked all season long. Right from opening day, when they didn't have Pat Elfline to start the season at center, you know, it's been a shuffle, it's been a change, it's been who's in in at what spot, is this guy healthy, is that guy healthy, and they just haven't been as consistent as they've needed. And, you know, all that conversation about, well, we've got to have more balance, we've got to run the football, we've got to do this. It's similar to what I saw Sunday in Atlanta. Yeah, you want to do those things. But is your line capable of giving you the push, giving you the opportunities on a consistent basis to do those things that you want to? And I think that's been part of, a huge part of the problem in Minnesota this year, something they'll have to work hard to, to fix. Look, if they get into the playoffs with the year that they've had, I know the expectations were Super Bowl. But you and I both know things change along the way based on injuries, based on how other teams are playing, based on schedule, a lot of things. Getting to the playoffs and having an opportunity, and I wouldn't rule out the fact, as you just pointed out, if they get in, going to Chicago, it's not out of line that they can beat them. The weird part will be if it plays that way, they will play Chicago in week 17, last week of the season, at home. And then they will play them the very next week, right, on the road in Chicago to play in the playoffs. So it'll be one of those weird back-to-backs that they'll have. And Minnesota will have to play hard in in, in Week 17 to ensure that they make the playoffs. We're talking to Charles Davis. Follow him on Twitter at CFD22 uh, there. You've got a massive game uh, this weekend with the Colts hosting the Cowboys. First of all, let's start on the Cowboys side. I can't think of a better example. You guys can tweet me if you can think of one, and so far nobody has come up with one. I can't think of a better in-season trade. And I said in-season because a lot of people out there listening are going to be like, oh, well, they're going to give me a lot of examples of other trades. I mean a trade in the NFL when the season has already started than Amari Cooper uh, coming to the Dallas Cowboys. He's number one in touchdowns, number one in yards receiving since the Cowboys traded for him. Uh, and they are five and one with Amari Cooper, as opposed to three and four without him. Did this fundamentally change the Cowboys' season? And if you're getting ready for him, and you're the Colts, how ominous and difficult is it to prepare for Amari Cooper? It did change things, and I'm going to be very clear here. When that trade went down, I didn't think it was a good trade. Yeah. All right, so I'm not going to sit here and all of a sudden, well, you know, I thought Amari Cooper, that was the missing piece. Because you know as well as I do, Clay, there's plenty of that out there, isn't there? Right? Every, oh, God, yeah, well, that was the piece we saw that they needed. Yes. They always said they needed a receiver. But when the trade went down, no one said, yeah, get a receiver and give up a one. Right? It was, you know, how come you didn't get a receiver in preseason? That was the question mark. Or draft so, one. Yeah, or draft one. You had a chance, right? Remember, remember the conversation about, well, why didn't you draft Calvin Ridley? Because yes. I did that Atlanta-Dallas game, and that was a huge one, you know? And then it became, well, Vander Esch played so well, 
Well, they took Van Der Esch, Ridley, Ridley, Van Der Esch. So we did a bunch of stuff on that one as well. But, yeah, I, I'm with you on this one. It changed how Dallas operated. It's changed Dak as a quarterback. And here's the thing. It's not so much that, that Amari Cooper becomes a number one and takes attention, right, and helps other people, which he does, but he upholds his end of the bargain too. 180 yards on Thanksgiving Day and two touchdowns against Washington. 217 yards in their last outing, including the big one in overtime. Three touchdowns, one, one long one, and they beat Philadelphia. He's not just bringing extra attention, I mean, taking attention away and opening up for others. He's having the attention on him and still making plays. So give them a lot of credit. Give him a lot of credit. And, yes, in this case, if you don't tip your cap to Jerry Jones, then you just then you're just not acknowledging what we're, what we're watching right now. And if you're the ball, uh, see, I said Baltimore. You can tell my age, right? <laughs> if you're the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday, yeah, you got to deal with what he's going to bring to the table. But the biggest problem is Zeke looks like a different guy now too, doesn't he? He looks like the guy that we're used to seeing because when he gets the ball now, he's just pounding people. He put a hundred plus on Philadelphia and catches the ball in the backfield. They look pretty good. My biggest concern for Dallas right now, beat-up offensive line. Zach Martin went out again on Sunday with a knee. They're hoping he can be back. Otherwise, Connor Williams, a rookie, has to get back into the lineup with Suofilo at guard. That's when things start to get dicey because they still need to keep that momentum going. Colts won on the road against the Texans. We'll see whether the AFC South ends up being a race down the stretch or whether the Texans bounce back and go ahead and close out that division. But it was a must-win game for the Colts, and the Colts have three more must-win games. The one you're calling this, uh, to this weekend, Sunday, against the Cowboys. Then they've got the Giants, who are actually starting to play pretty well uh, down the stretch of the season after effectively they've been uh, pretty much eliminated from the playoffs. And then you have uh, the Colts going on the road against the Titans in what could be, if the Titans win out, a uh, default playoff game between the Colts and the Titans. Um, What do you think about the chances of the Colts closing to win three in a row and uh, obviously that starts against the Cowboys. What do you think of that matchup in general as you get ready to call it? I think it's going to be difficult for them because of, of, of who they're playing. And a couple of weeks ago, if you'd said you're finishing off with Dallas, you would have said, well, it's going to be tough but manageable because it's at home, right? If it's, yep. Because it's hot as Indianapolis was. The Giants, you would have said that's a walkover in, in, in amateur wrestling terms, right? And then you would have finished it up with um, the Titans, and you would have said, that's where all the marbles are. Well, to me, the marbles are way ahead of that. This Sunday's brutal because Dallas is trying to put a clincher on their division, and they have momentum, and they're hot, and they feel good about themselves. So that's going to be a tough one for them. But to me, the real one is the Giants game, Clay. Because as you pointed out, not only are they playing you know, better, they have no pressure, right? They are in the, stand, they're in the position now of, you know something, I'm now really upset we got no shot at the playoffs. Let's wreck someone else's season. But this is a big prove-it game for the Giants as much as it is for the Colts, and here's why. Look at who the Giants have beaten in recent weeks, and then look at who's played quarterback for those teams that they've beaten. They've gotten a lot of backups, right? They've gotten a lot of guys that just, you know, I mean, heck, Washington played, you know, Josh Johnson, who hadn't completed a pass in the NFL since, what, 2011? Yeah, it's amazing. All right? That's just stunning. So the Giants have a lot to prove to themselves. 
that if they could beat an Andrew Luck team, that would be a big, big deal. And that would be a fun one for them to, to take on someone who the rest of the league has now got their eyes on. So, yeah, it's going to be very challenging for the Colts. But considering they started 1-5 and five to be in this spot, that's a challenge that they're happily <laughs> willing to accept. Especially down the stretch in the AFC, we have got a real battle for the playoffs, right? The Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers are sitting now at 7-5-1. and one. They're up a half game on the Baltimore Ravens. One of the two of those teams is going to win the AFC North. Who do you think actually gets it done, particularly because the Steelers in their final three, they've got obviously the Patriots this weekend, and then next weekend they go up against the Saints on the road. It wouldn't be a stunner at all if the Pittsburgh Steelers are rolling into the final week of the season sitting at 7-7-1 and and like what in the world happened to our season. Yeah, and, and they should never be in this spot. They should have had a cushion by now because there were, there were a couple of openings in the long way, weren't there, Clay, on weekends where we all expected Pittsburgh to win and Baltimore to lose. Yeah. And in, in, just take last weekend, for example. That, was, that seemed like a perfect setup for Pittsburgh. Go to Oakland, take care of business, all right? And Baltimore's got to go to Kansas City. Baltimore almost pulls it off, but the expected result happens. They lose. Pittsburgh was not the expected result by any stretch of imagination. This was not the 1970s Steelers Raiders. Okay, we thought Pittsburgh was a decided had a decided advantage and would close out. They didn't. So again, their chance to increase their cushion goes away. And now, as you pointed out, here comes New England, who has to be ticked off about what happened in Miami. And by the way, can we ever? Can any of us ever solve why New England goes to Miami and, and, and really struggles? Because I asked, I said, do they do it like an NBA team? Do they go hang at South Beach Saturday night? What do they do? <laughs> yeah, we, you know? we've asked that question. Nobody, I, I don't get it. And yeah. I asked someone who's actually a staffer, and they're like, no, we stay in Fort Lauderdale, and we're pretty locked in. I said, okay, then I'm, I'm, out of, I'm out of reasons. I don't get it at all. It's, it's not. Would you be? This is a great stat for everybody <laughs> out there about the Patriots. Uh, we don't know, and I'll get to who, who you think is going to make the playoffs here, but we don't know whether the Dolphins or the Titans are going to make the playoffs. Only one of those teams can make the playoffs if you really look at the way the playoff picture is shaking out. So, uh, And we already know that the Lions and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are not going to make the playoffs. Right. The, the P- New England Patriots in the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick era have never lost four games to non-playoff teams. So it's very possible that that could end up happening here. Are the Patriots just moved from a great team to just kind of a good team now, or do you think uh, you know? Look, they beat the uh, if if they beat the Steelers, which is a, a toss-up yeah. game, and then they went out. They'll beat the Bills and they'll beat the Jets. They'll be twelve and four, and they'll have another bye week, and we'll be talking about them as major Super Bowl contenders again. Yeah, there's and look, here's Bob line class mystique. It's the Patriots, and if they close out the way you just described, get the twelve and four, and, and and grab one of those two, you know, two slots where you're playing at home to begin with, that's that's when I go, okay, here we go again, because you got Brady, you got this, you got that. I don't know how good they are. I think it's going to be interesting to find out can they put it together, but. To me, this is not a year where you sit here and say, okay, the Patriots are decided favorites, whether they're at home or on the road. I think, I think you know, it's a bad term, and, you know, it's wide open. 
but it is. I don't think people walk in this season and just go, well, we're going to get outclassed or we're going to get this or we're going to get that. Do you always bet on the Patriots? If you're smart, you do because they've proven it too many times. But the right team can go in there and get them. Remember when Baltimore used to give them so much trouble in the playoffs? You know, Flacco and that crew, and you go, oh, God, don't draw a Baltimore. That's where your trouble is. Who can be their Baltimore this year? Who can be their kryptonite? I think it can be a few different teams. I don't think it's just one team this time. I think it can be a few. Although, if you ask me about betting and and who I would put my money on, I'd never bet against New England. History has proven me. (laughs) History says you take New England and let everybody else figure it out. Because Pittsburgh, that road you just gave us, that's a brutal road, and it's a road they should have had cushion against. And they let that cushion get away. We're talking to Charles Davis at CFD 22. All right, three teams all tied at 7-6. and six. We said either the Ravens or the Steelers likely get into the playoffs. Yeah. I think only one of two is if you look at the schedule down the stretch. That would leave one spot in the AFC. The Colts, the Miami Dolphins, the Tennessee Titans. I think one of those teams is going to have to get to 10-6 and six and win out in order to get in. Who does it if you had to pick between those three? Well, sitting here right now, I'd really look hard at the Titans uh, because I just think that they play, they play nice defense, maybe even better than nice defense. They play really good defense at times. If they can keep the running game going, and let's not get fooled by Thursday night and say that's what you're going to get every week, but can they be a heck of a lot more consistent running the ball and put up good numbers? The answer is yes between Henry and Deion Lewis. And it's nice to see Derrick Henry back because, Clay, correct me if I'm wrong, for at least half this season, maybe a little bit more, we didn't know what was going on there, did we, with Derrick Henry? No. I mean, I was talking to scouts. I was talking to people. And I had one scout talk to me and say, look, I watched him the last two ball games. I don't know what's happening there. He, he looks slow to the hole. He looks this. He looks that. And what we saw Saturday, you know, thir- last Thursday night, <laughs> one of our brethren, Field Yates, tweeted out during the ball game. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that one, that Derrick Henry just locked up his second Heisman Trophy tonight. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how he looked. He looked like that guy again, and that's what Tennessee needs. I think that their ability to do that and play defense makes him the favorite amongst those three teams that you just out, you know, laid out for me. Plus, I believe that last game of the year is at home for them, correct, against, against the uh, Colts? Correct. If the Titans yeah. can beat the Giants this weekend, they close with the Redskins, who are not very good, I think it's fair to say, yep. given their quarterback situation. And More then they close right uh, with the Colts in Nashville, which could be, like I said, a, a default playoff game for both of those teams. Uh, I, like, I, like their set, I like their setup and their schedule, Clay. It is in their favor, and it's one of those times where as a team it's kind of like if, if it doesn't work I don't know what better advantages you had to take advantage of and you just didn't do it good that's, st- that's the way I look at that good stuff as always Charles Davis at CFD 22 go follow him on Twitter we'll talk to you next week enjoy that Cowboy uh, Colts game we'll be listening we will do take care Clay be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern 3 a.m. Pacific and we'll bring in Mark Schlereth. Uh, Mark had the uh, Carolina-Cleveland game, um, and uh, he's going to have a big game this weekend uh, with the Baltimore Ravens hosting Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Ravens pursue that AFC North um, uh, crown, potentially. And so I want to start with you, Mark. First of all, thanks for coming on uh, and getting up early with us. But I want to start with the Carolina-Cleveland game. What's up with Cam? 
Um, is this an injury situation? The uh, Panthers have now lost five games in a row. And they were yep. sitting at 6-2, and two, and everybody was like, man, this looks like a Super Bowl team. This looks like MVP Cam, including me. And then the wheels have just come off the Panthers. What did you see up close calling their game this past weekend? Yeah, you know, I think Cam has done a phenomenal job of understanding kind of you cannot play just with your body anymore. You have to become a, you know, an entire football player. I think one of the things that happens to you as an athlete, when you are physically gifted, when you are just touched by the hand of God, you can always fall back and rely on your gift. And he has come to the realization that you cannot play forever like that. And he has got to be better. He said as a young player, he just was like, ah, you know what, if things break down, I'm just going to go out and ball. I'll just go out and run around. He is so much more dialed in, so much more prepared. He has worked so much harder. And he really has played exceptionally well. What's happened is that old shoulder injury from that he had surgery on in 2016 has flared up. He hasn't been able to practice in weeks. He barely takes any reps. He spends his entire time, you know, studying it and working at it, but it's all mostly mental reps. And then, you know, he gets himself healthy enough to play. And, and the thing I appreciated about it is he didn't use it as an excuse. You know, I used to have this philosophy when I played. If I go out there, like, I'm, I may be 70% set, whatever. I don't care. You got to play hurt. You have to play injured. More importantly, you have to play well hurt or injured. And he's like, I can't use it as an excuse. I got to go out and play. But it really hampers him, especially in like pressure throw situations where he's got to let it rip a little bit. You can tell that mechanically it bothers him. And he dirted a couple of balls. He sailed a couple of balls. Um, so when he's a little bit late or under duress, that's where you see it creep up and where the inaccuracies kind of happen once again. So um, he's fighting through it. You know, he's 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 you know working through it, but. Um, you know, they've got some they've got some things in that six and two run that they had that went really well for them. Um, they haven't been great up front. They've had a lot of injuries across the offensive line. You know, they've had some things that um, have have creeped up and hurt them besides Cam's shoulder. What would you say about Baker Mayfield having watched him in person? Uh, were you more impressed, less impressed about what you expected to see uh, with the opportunity to sit and call one of his games? You know what I'll tell you? He's all balls. I, like that dude is phenomenal. I, I was like, from the time I met with him, he's got a chip on his shoulder, man. He is motivated by he is motivated by people that don't believe in him. He's got great leadership skills, whatever it is, he has it. And I'm telling you, you know, I talked to coaches on the Carolina uh, staff that were like, hey, evaluating him coming out. I didn't know if it translated. You know, I didn't know if his game in Oklahoma translated. I didn't think it really did because of, you know, the spread stuff and all the bubble screen stuff and all the underneath stuff. And and I'm telling you, he's got a great memory. The coaches tell me, Freddie Kitchens, the offensive coordinator, was like, listen, this guy can he can tag every everything in a play. So you can call a play. And you can tag each individual receiver. Most of the time, they just have a code word for certain, you know, for certain plays. You can tag each individual's receiver, so everybody knows the depth. The like, you, he can just call it in, and Baker Mayfield goes, oh, "I got it," and and basically verbatim. It's it's a really hard thing for a lot of quarterbacks to do um, because there's so much verbiage involved. But he says he's got an unbelievable memory. But I tell you what, the thing that impressed me most is his ability to find 
windows in a pocket to slide. He's got great pocket awareness to slide and then to climb the pocket and absolutely let it rip. I mean, it starts, you know, he's got, he throws it so freaking hard. It's, it's almost Favre-esque, but it's not. You know, Favre was all arm. He just had such an unbelievable arm. And he didn't have as much arm talent, but he throws it that hard because it comes from his toes. You know, I mean, he's creating velocity through rotational force that starts at his toes, and he just lets it rip fearless in the pocket. And he made some throws that, like, were just like, oh, my Lord, down the field with just unbelievable touch and unbelievable velocity on the ball. We're talking to Mark Schlereth. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Schlereth. All right, this weekend, I'm sure you're starting to do some of the prep already. You've got Tampa Bay going up against the Baltimore Ravens. First of all, what do you uh-huh. expect to see at the quarterback position? Because Lamar Jackson got knocked out of that game at the end. RG3 comes in. Borderline, should it have been? Maybe should have been a uh, pass interference call uh, late against the Chiefs on that RG3 throw. you got the Joe Flacco uncertainty with the health situation. And the Ravens squarely now. Hell, if they had hung on to win that game, they'd be in first place right now in the AFC North. But I think you have to be cautiously optimistic if you're the Ravens because the Steelers have two really tough games back-to-back going up against the uh, the Patriots and the uh, Saints back-to-back weekends. What happens with the Ravens? What are you hearing about them? Well, I, I think when you look at them on film, obviously they're very aggressive. They control a lot of scrimmage. You know, John Harbaugh knows how to play this game. You look at the amount of carries they have had ever since Lamar Jackson has been their quarterback. I mean, it's been it's been crazy. Every week you look at it, you know, it's forty seven, it's fifty two, it's you know, whatever it is. And that's you know, that's kind of way they have they have gone about this. It's not you know, I mean they hide some of the deficiencies from Lamar Jackson as a passer because, you know, that's a kid that's that's learning the NFL game and that doesn't have you know, doesn't have great um mechanics but you know look at 13 rushes 71 yards last week uh against kansas city they are going to run the snot out of the ball they're not going to throw it a lot um they're going to try to eliminate as much as they can with that and they're going to absolutely control line of scrimmage they try to get you down to about uh, most the average games are like you know, 13 possession games. Each team is going to get 13 possessions with the ball. They want to control line of scrimmage. They want to continue to churn first downs through the running game and through their quarterback's uh, elusiveness and athleticism. And they want to get it down to about a nine possession, nine or maybe 10 possession game. Because if they can get it down to that, they can keep their pass rushers fresh. They can keep their defense fresh. They dominate the time possession, dominate line of scrimmage. And, and when you have that formula, you know, with a challenged quarterback in the passing game, mechanically he's challenged, but he is a phenomenal athlete. And then, you know, the throws they give him usually are the underneath stuff off the rollouts and, you know, and, and off the, you know, the read option, you know, RPO game. So um, now you look at the way they play. They play into their personnel. They have an identity, and John Harbaugh knows that that identity is a winning formula you know, if we just adhere to it. So they do a really good job from an understanding point of this is who we are and this is the way we need to play. Do you expect Lamar Jackson to start the rest of the way? Yes. Yeah, I do. I, I think they're I think they're going in that direction. Obviously like that's the formula. Like you can't like you can't have that formula with 
you know, with uh, with Joe Flacco, if he comes back, if he gets healthy. Now, Lamar Jackson, I, I read yesterday that his ankle is fine, and Harbaugh said in his press conference that he should be fine going forward. But this is the formula that they're going with. This He's going to be their quarterback. Now, is it sustainable? No, he's already been hurt. He's already been in concussion protocol. Like, that's what's unsustainable about it. You know, you cannot, you can't live this way long term because you're just not going to survive in this league. There's only one guy who has been built that way and, and early in his career, and it's Cam Newton because, you know, I sat down and met with him, and he's six foot five and he's 255. I mean, he's a freak of nature. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson is not that. So it's not sustainable long term. You can't play, you know, six, seven years like that. But can you get through the end of the season and give yourself a chance? Absolutely. Who would you take right now, Mark Schlereth? Uh, would you take in this AFC North race the Steelers or would you take the Ravens to be more likely to win the division? I wouldn't take the Steelers to IHOP. Um, <laughs> like, like the Steelers are like, they have, there's an emotional immaturity level with the Pittsburgh Steelers that just bothers the hell out of me. And come on. When was the last time that Mike Tomlin matched up against Bill Belichick and came out looking good? I mean, that, that New England, that's their personal good thing. You know, as tough as New England has it when they go to Miami, and they've never played well in Miami, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, are like that's their, that is their personal good thing. That's a butt whipping waiting to happen, you know? I mean, so they never have matched up well. Philosophically, they haven't matched up well. Defensively, the way they have tried to, you know, the way they've tried to match up against uh, New England, they've never been able to do it. And it's always a 14-point beatdown when they play the Patriots. So I have no faith. I think this. I think the Ravens are going to come out of that division as the division champs. What do you? Th- so when you just mentioned the Patriots, you played in the NFL for a, a long time. Can you explain how the Patriots with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady can have, can be one in five straight up in their last six on the road in Miami? No, hey, listen. Okay, so I will tell you this just from from playing. Like I would rather go play in Green Bay in December than I would Miami in December. When you play at a cold weather place, man, you pack on a, a layer of winter fat. Um, you're not in the kind of cardiovascular fitness that you are when you, when summertime rolls around and you're playing in the heat all the time. It, like you, you get to the point where you get used to practicing and playing in the cold, and then you go to Miami, and and I will tell you, it drains you. It's like hooking up a faucet, a spigot. And, and just sucking the fluids out of your body. I mean, you were over on the sideline first quarter sucking on eggs and sweating profusely, and you feel lethargic, like lethargy sets in. It's a, for me, it was a miserable place to play. I'm like, I usually just call it the gold bomb game. got to have a lot of powder because uh, <laughs> your, uh, your undercarriage is going to get raw and rash. That's going to be so sweaty, and you're not used to it. I'm, I'm telling you, I was miserable going to Miami. Let me go to Green Bay and be, you know, 24 degrees and 15, you know, minus 12, uh, minus 12 with a windshield. I'd rather play in that than Miami in December. And if you look at New England, man, they always seem to play Miami late in the season. So uh, it's a miserable place to play if you're an opponent late in the season. To me, anyhow, if you play, if you play in a cold-weather city. 
I know you know the Broncos well. What happened with the uh, Denver Broncos on the road against the 49ers when it seems like they started to turn the corner, big win over the Chargers, big win over the Steelers, and then boom, Nick Mullins gets you in San Francisco. Do you think the Broncos are out of the running now for the playoffs and what happened in that game? They're not. They're not. Listen, they got beat physically. They got beat mentally. They got beat scheme. They got out schemed, out coached, out played. Uh, lack of leadership. Um, well, I mean, where do you want me to continue on? I, I'm, I'm embarrassed. The very first, you know, very first couple series of the game, the Niners absolutely out hit them. They smacked them in the mouth um, in the running game. Their safeties. Their safeties came running the alley. They're buzzing up there, and they're just smacking the snot out of receivers and out of running backs. And the Broncos, I mean, they tucked their tails between their legs and and you know and, and sulked back to the sideline. It was it's as embarrassing um, a defeat as they've had around here. You know, and everybody wants to sit here in the local media and say, well, you know, they lost Emmanuel Sanders and they've had a lot of injuries. And I'm like, you see the San Francisco 49ers? They put 18 guys on IR. They are playing right now. Think about this. The Niners, Nick Mullins, practice squad, wasn't even on the roster, right? Nick Mullins, honestly, from a skill standpoint, now mentally he is sharp. But from a skill standpoint, the guy should, you know – the guy should be coaching. He shouldn't be playing in the NFL. That's the skill set he has. You talk about Ricky James Jr., you know, wide receiver. That's a fourth pre. He, you know, started in the fourth preseason game. Dante Pettis started in the fourth preseason game. Um, uh, the, the running back, Jeff Wilson Jr., fourth preseason game wasn't even on the roster until a, a month ago. I mean, that, they are decimated by injuries. They're down to their their fourth string strong safety. Their third string free safety, and they just came out and punched Denver in the mouth, and Denver rolled over. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. Outcoached, outplayed. That's, that one, they're, as good as the three-game winning streak was in Denver, that's the most embarrassing loss. You weren't prepared. You overlooked a 2-10 and 10 team, and you got your ass handed to you. Embarrassing. That's a fireable offense. Do you think Vance Joseph will get fired? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Think, will they let him coach the rest of the season and then fire him, or how's that process? You think going to play out the final three weeks of the season? I think they're going to. I think they're going to play it out. And, and listen, I look at it like this: like, don't you already know? I mean, to me, don't you? Don't you already know? You got blown out in a bunch of games last year. You just let the, there was one guy on that team that could hurt you, George Kittle. One guy. There's there's one guy. He's a great player. He's like mini Gronk. If you haven't watched him. He's not as big as Gronk, but he's a great blocker at the point of attack, whether it's in a static formation or in motion. He's awesome. He is, he is kind of a six foot five. He's a little smaller than Gronk, uh, but he's got better speed than Gronk. He's a four five, like four five three forty guy. Like he can flat out run. He's a phenomenal player. One player you had to contend with. He went for seven and two ten in the first half against you. Seven and two ten, and didn't get targeted in the second half. I mean, it just is. Like, there's one guy you had to stop. You had, you know, the old the, the Twitter lines or the Twitter feed that you had one job to do? Yeah. Like, I'm, you had one job to do. Like, and so, to me, if you don't already know, if, you don't already, if your gut doesn't already tell you that from a management standpoint that you don't have the right guy, then shame on you. Like that's what, now part of it is like, well, I mean, who do we, who do we fill it with? You know, who, I don't know. Fill it with an adult. 
You know? I mean, fill it with somebody who will hold his players accountable and say, hey, at least we played hard. No, you didn't. Get your ass kicked. I, I don't – whatever. I mean, if that's your idea of playing hard, then you and I – are on a completely different page. We're talking to Mark Schlereth. You can follow him on Twitter. I just wish he had some opinions sometimes. Uh, at Mark Schlereth, he joins us every single Tuesday in Hour 2. Um, when you saw what happened last night, Monday Night Football, uh, obviously the Seahawks have found a recipe that works. They can run the football. Right. We know how good Russell Wilson can be. I think they're going to be a hard out for the Dallas Cowboys. You can kind of project that that would be a really physical, really tough matchup between the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's likely to be your 4-5 game in the wild card in the NFC. If you are waking up this morning and you are the Minnesota Vikings, sitting at 6-6-1, six, six and one, your final three games, you still have a pretty good, I think, chance when you look at everybody else to make the playoffs as the sixth seed. What do you do? What do you say to the team? What do you say to fans? What do you say to Kirk Cousins waking up this morning in Minnesota at 6-6-1? Six, six and one? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it, there's no question it's disappointing. And, you know, I know that uh, there's a lot of things that, that have gone on here, right? I know that there's a lot of issues that you have. Defensively, you haven't played nearly as well as you did last year. Not in the secondary, not up front, um, you know, not in, not at any level. Not So you know, there's a lot of things defensively that you haven't done that you did last year. And I always say, man, it's a lot easier to deal with failure than it is success. Like, his success, man, sates people. It sates some people, and they just feel good about themselves, right? And they just assume that, you know, they're just going to have the same kind of season that they did a year ago without doing the same type of work, which is a mistake. But ultimately, for Kirk Cousins, um, this went on a a little text roundabout I had last uh, night with a bunch of my buddies from Seattle that are huge Seahawks fans. And they're like, $84 for Kirk Cousins. Record in primetime games. Five and thirteen record versus winning teams four and twenty four um, this year record versus winning teams zero and five uh, career road record twelve twenty three and two career record on Monday Night Football zero and seven like Kirk Cousins is accurate Kirk Cousins is you know understands the game Kirk Cousins is a very smart quarterback for some reason when the brightest lights are on. Kirk Cousins can't find a way to will his team to a, to a victory. And I know it's a team sport, but come on. Like, at some point, you're paying $84 million for a guy that has a great completion percentage. And that's about it. Mark Schlereth, outstanding stuff as always. Knock it out. Enjoy that game this weekend between uh, Baltimore and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got it, man. Always good to be on with you, Clay. Appreciate it, my man. That's Mark Schlereth. Go follow him on Twitter. Thank him for swinging by and giving us all of his opinions. Man, he doesn't tiptoe up to his opinions. I absolutely love it. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. We are going to bring you uh, LeBron James. We have a little bit of an audio clip, I think, to lead in here. It's called L.A. Bron. Cue the music. L.A. A broad. I got, I got, I got, I got. From the first show in the country to predict hashtag future Laker. Instead of three hours of it, Clay Travis captures all the mania in three minutes. LeBron has picked up the circus tent and it has followed him wherever he has gone. 
Last night, the Lakers win. What's the latest, Danny G, on L.A. Braun? Yeah, Clay, the Stars were out in full force last night at Staples. Jessica Alba was sitting with Gabrielle Union. The camera kept closing in on Will Ferrell throughout the game. LeBron was matched up with his best friend, Dwayne Wade, for one last time. D. Wade, of course, is on his farewell tour to retirement. And uh, this was the last game on the schedule for the Lakers and Heat. So very last time for those two besties to be on stage together. LeBron and Kuzma stole the show. They're becoming a pretty good duo. James dropped 28-9-12, and 12, a rebound away from a triple-double. Kuzma had 33-7-1 in the fourth with the clock winding down. There was a really great moment where the Heat were trailing by one. D. Wade and LeBron were one-on-one. The crowd rose to their feet and gave D-Wade a standing ovation. LeBron came out on top, though. He drained two crucial free throws to seal the Lakers' fifth straight win at home, 108-105. to And when time expired, Dwayne Wade fake-tackled LeBron. The cameras surrounded them. They embraced, and they did a jersey exchange. Kuzma and Hart both said afterwards that it was pretty crazy watching two of their idols play one-on-one basketball right in front of them. By the way, head-to-head in their careers, they were tied 15 wins apiece going into last night's game. So that means LeBron took the battle of best friends 16 to 15. Lakers are now fifth in the West. Thursday afternoon, they're back in action at Houston. They're on the road for the next four. And for many people out there, the NBA season effectively kind of starts on Christmas. And uh, the Lakers will be on the road against the Warriors in that game. Warriors seem to have fixed uh, things. The Warriors are going to win the NBA title. I'm not saying we're not going to talk about it in April and May when the NBA playoffs are going on, but the big reason why the NBA pales in comparison to the NFL, aside from the fact that football is much more entertaining to watch on television than basketball, is because when you get into the NFL playoffs, I think any of the 12 teams potentially could win the NFL playoffs this year. And we're not sure exactly who's going to be there. I tend to think we saw the two wildcard teams from the NFC last night. I think your five seed is going to be the Seattle Seahawks. I think they'll be going on the road against the Dallas Cowboys. And I think your sixth seed is going to end up being Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. And I think they will go on the road against the Chicago Bears. You can kind of look at the final three games of the season and see that tentatively, assuming there's not going to be major injuries and everything else, which is why I'm not hitting the panic button, even if I'm a Vikings fan or even if I'm concerned about Kirk Cousins' performance in big games. Like, I think it's very valid to be concerned about Kirk Cousins. When you go to 0-7 in Monday Night Football games like Kirk Cousins is in his career and Russell Wilson 6-2, and I think that stuff matters. I think big-time players perform the best on the biggest stage. And I think very frequently, Cousins has shrunk from being a superstar on the biggest stage. And look, when you sign an $84 million contract guaranteed, I don't think it's too much to expect that your guy in a big signature moment is going to play at a high level and put forward the best possible effort that he can. So we haven't seen it so far. Uh, from Cousins maybe we will but I think you look forward and you project ahead it's likely the Vikings are going to make the playoffs and a lot of pressure is going to be on Cousins this weekend against the Dolphins but certainly if they make the playoffs and they're playing against the Bears which I think is going to happen be a rematch of the final game of the regular season for the Vikings and the Bears there will be an awful lot of pressure on Cousins in the playoffs this year to see whether or not he can validate that $84 million contract. Because last year, look, 
the Vikings found a way to get past the Saints and advance to the NFC Championship game, they're a lot worse so far this year, and much of the blame is going to fall fair or foul at Cousins' feet. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at 